Jono, Tommy, I'm going to give you a phrase, okay? And I want you to give me an example sentence that includes that phrase and puts it in context for what it means, okay? Jono, we're going to start with you. Time is on my side. Well, at least time is on my side, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, fine, great. Let's keep I'm it loose. I'm so glad John went first. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, okay, I thought I I'd start I'm with that. Going, yeah. Right, Tommy, your turn. <laughs> okay. Turn back the hands of time. Turn back the hands of time and imagine you are a teenager again. Brilliant. Jono, back to you. A whale of a time. Ah, uh, when we got the inflatables out, just had a whale of a time. Was there an inflatable whale amongst oh. those? Who knows? Who knows? Lovely. Thank you, Johnny. Tommy, only time will tell. Oh, he's lost eight tasks. Can he go any further? Only time will tell. That's great. A little reference back to The Apprentice. And finally, it's one for me. And the phrase is time well spent. Got it. Investing in something of quality that will endure a lifetime can be time well spent. And so let me tell you about Marlowe Watch Company, creators of British-designed mechanical watches and sponsors of this podcast. With Marlowe, each collection of watches is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. And not only are they pleasing to the eye, they're reassuring to hold and to wear. Visit marlowwatchcompany.com to see for yourself. And if you're looking for reassurance elsewhere, you'll find the words quality and value come up time and again in independent online reviews. Marlowe Watch Company. Time well spent. It's been a really long time since I've played Pictionary because people don't usually want to play it (laughs) when I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really disappointing because I really quite like it. If kids go around for a play date and they go around to pick them up, like... I kind of want my kid back. I can't, I can't find your one. But <laughs> I've got this other kid. Well, these do. <laughs> these do. The best managers are the people who notice the non-fungibility yeah. in people. And and probably the best the best people <laughs> in life. One of the items in the museum is like his tennis rackets. And of course it's just a tennis racket, but it's not it's not just a tennis racket, it's the one where he won the Australian Open. This week we discuss what makes something fungible or not and discover that it's not always black or white. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. We're here to put a little pep in your step, some dash in your moustache, a little vim in your shin, some verve in your optical nerve, flair in your big hair, gusto in your big toe and some zing in your bingo wing. It's a podcast where each week we delve into the goodie bag that is sketchplanations.com, pull out one of the many sketches that brilliantly explain stuff in the world around us and discuss what it means and how it applies to our lives. You can also find loads of great Sketchplanations content up on Instagram and Twitter. Now then, what a man. What a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. A mighty, mighty good man. Not my words, the words of Dave Crawford the American R&B songwriter and record producer in 1968. Words possibly made most famous by Salt and Pepper and En Vogue's reinterpretation of the song in 1993. Exactly who these words were written about is unclear, but it's been said that Crawford's catchy lyrical refrain was in fact a premonition. A foretelling of the arrival, but 11 years later, of not one, but two distinguished baby boys, destined to become mighty good men. 
I'm Rob Bell, engineer and broadcaster, and I'm joined in this podcast by my two inimitable co-hosts, John O'Hay, creator and curator of Sketchplanations, and that tenacious, tender-hearted Tom Pellero. What evening, boys? What an introduction, Rob. Thank <laughs> good you good very evening. Much. I'm glad this has been recorded. <laughs> Play that for my kids. <laughs> Are we doing all right? All right. I remember exactly that. that. Pepper. I remember that Salt and Pepper song so clearly. <laughs> absolute, absolute stone cold classic hit. <laughs> Loved it. Now, Tommy, this week yes. I came a cropper slightly with my joyful googling of you and your shenanigans over the last few years. I typed in what I was looking for into Google, and I was greeted with the following message: "Your search did not match any documents." Uh, but that leads me to believe that I may have found a gap in the market for you. My search in Google was for Tom Pellero cardboard cutout. Oh. Now, it came back with uh, 2D life-size representations of Tom Hardy, oh. Tom Fletcher from McFly, Tom Brady, Tom Hanks, even Lord Sugar, but no Tom, no Tom Pellero. <laughs> no Tom so, uh, I don't know, maybe one to think about for, for Christmas. <laughs> Christmas special. Yeah. That is disappointing. We had, we did wear those T-shirts, Tom Pellero T-shirts, one time. We did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Giant Tom Pellero T-shirts. Five of you. Yeah. yeah to my With party. Tom's, Tom's face plastered <laughs> right across our Massive chests. pink T-shirts Yeah, he turned up in. My yeah. local branch of B&Q, Tommy, is very familiar with you because I, I now wear that T-shirt. I hope you're not offended <laughs> as a kind of working t-shirt when i'm doing jobs and stuff and, it, and, and the number of times when i popped out to go and get something that i haven't got like a tool or some more grout or something i've got your bit and i don't i don't realize i forget i forget well i'm glad you mentioned that because i'm actually wearing my kind of diy stuff tonight and the two of you look very smart especially jono and he's very sort of scandy he's slick isn't he yeah that was a plan I was hoping that you'd uh, downplay yourself tonight, Tom, so I'd stand out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, um, Jono, um, good evening. Good evening. Um, I was thinking this week that you'd either be a, a massive asset or a huge frustration to play Pictionary with. <laughs> Pictionary. And, yeah, and, and actually I have, I have exactly. So either brilliant or, oh, Christ, I'm against Jono. And I have done it. On, I think both. I've been on your side and on an opposing team, and it's either brilliant or really difficult to win. Do you know what? It's, it's interesting you say Pictionary because it's been a really long time since I've played Pictionary mm. because mm. people don't usually want to play it right. when I'm around, <laughs> <laughs> which is really disappointing because I really quite like it. I really quite like it. Is that is that where you yeah. like Cranium? Because you can trick people into playing Pictionary. Oh, that's right. Just pick all the nice. drawing ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Exactly. I remember yeah. we played it. We played it once, all of us, where we created our own cards. That's good fun. So you know you've got the different categories. What five of them? I can't quite remember what they are. Like action, difficult, object, yeah, that kind of thing. But we we each wrote five. Um, options for each of those categories and then we mixed it all up I remember we did that good it's a good game it it's always fun. good when you when you custom, customise a game like that but yeah it as is. I say whenever I suggest playing Pictionary people say why don't we play like Scrabble or something else I don't, I, I don't wish I don't to start know. any rumours but did Sketchplanation actually start as a as a Pictionary game that just sort of got a bit carried away got a bit, got a bit out of hand <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's all about getting your point across, isn't it? Pictionary. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Two seconds. What is well, it? it well, it is. So it's, so it's about the power of a really quick sketch in Pictionary, right? Um, but Tommy, I was, I was wondering if you often feel like you want to go to a quick sketch on the back of a fag packet, back of an envelope type thing in order to communicate something, if, if that's a go-to for you or not. Yes. It, it can be for me, for sure. A, a, a lot. Um, and I see it in my mind, and it's so clear in my mind, and unfortunately I don't have Jono's uh, level of talent to be able to quickly draw it, so it takes me quite a bit longer. And I now use a, 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 a remarkable, I think it's called, a sort of uh, e-ink, um, which I find brilliant, um, because you can rub stuff out, you can zoom, you can copy it, you can move it around. Um, uh, and so I, I do quite a lot of sketching not nearly as much as i would like to because i really do enjoy it but i don't have anywhere near jono's skill unfortunately but sometimes it, it doesn't need to be a good sketch right it's just something that you feel you would communicate better through an image than through words yeah. i mean or you can take it to the cranium level and maybe act it out as another option <laughs> but they're all there yes. for you hum it yes there's not enough like charade acting uh, in business, really, is there? You know, in terms of, uh, I did a presentation quarterly review today, and uh, to, to the team, and maybe next time I should do it as a charade. You know, the whole thing acting out. Like, <laughs> well, there's one, there's one in business that I don't think needs any words. <laughs> the old Very finger true. pointing. Yeah. The, the old finger pointing is the ultimate. Yeah. Fortunately, you never got. You were never on the uh, on the sorry end of that. I wasn't. I wasn't. I saw it a little bit, but I was. I was never the receiver, which is very fortunate. For That's me. good. Apart from the one time when he flips it on the last he, one, instead of yes. you're fired, you're hired. Ah, uh, yeah. No, sorry, Rob. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I did receive it that once at that that final time with the the finger pointing in. You're hired. An incredible, incredible moment. I remember it very, very clearly still today. Well, listen. The, the sands of time are slipping by quite literally in the context of the board game Pictionary with the little hourglass timekeeper, which means that you need to put your pencils down, count up how many you got, and just move on with your lives. Let's get on with this week's episode. This week, we've selected one of Jono's sketches that explains the difference between fungible and non-fungible items or goods. The principal artwork for this episode on your podcast player should be this sketchplanation. But if not, you can find it online or follow the links in the podcast description. And I would suggest it's probably a good idea to check out the sketch before you get too far into the pod for this episode and all that you listen to. Um, Also, don't forget, we'll be going through some of your correspondence from previous weeks at the very end of this podcast. And you can send us your thoughts, your experiences, your wishes and feelings about this episode or any that have come before to hello at sketchplanations.com or you can leave us a comment on social media too. Okay, Jono. Now, I'd never heard the words fungible before you published your sketch about it. Can you summarise what it means and then hence the difference between fungible and, and non-fungible is that, is that it's interesting you'd never heard of it i'd it's the sort of word that i kept hearing and people sort of seemed to assume that i knew what it meant and i never and i never actually knew what it meant and, and it always sort of sounded reasonable when they said it i'm like oh yeah i'm sure it's you know makes a lot of sense but i actually never knew what it was so i had to go look it up to find out what it was um so yeah essentially there's this concept of fungible goods and non-fungible goods and so what I what I really set out to do 
uh, as much for me as anything else was to really settle in my mind what this is and to help make it like unambiguous for anybody else struggling with remembering which way around it was and what they actually meant um so so the that like the, the core of it is fungible goods are mutually interchangeable for each other so the absolute classic fungible good is money yeah so um you know if if i give you a tenner you can pay me back in 10 ones or another tenner and it doesn't really it really doesn't matter which one it is but a non-fungible good is something that is not interchangeable with one another so generally a huge amount of stuff obviously sit in the non-fungible category um and fungible stuff tends to be things things like commodities like fuel or grain or as i say money but basically anything where if somebody was to swap it around you really wouldn't notice and you really wouldn't care um yeah i'm just going to flip to the sketch quickly here now so in the sketch your um wonderful examples of fungible oh you've got it there yeah gold corn grain fuel money lovely and then non-fungible the flip side of that that's so is it more those are things that are so non-fungible items are are things that have a uniqueness to them is that right yeah and i i think there's some there's some subtlety to it but like so so here's my um the thing that really made it click for me was this question which is at the bottom of the sketch which was if i if i or if you borrowed one of these for me would i feel it pretty weird if you returned a different one Right. I so, think it's such that is such a great yeah. way for the for me that clarified it completely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's a, it's a feeling, right? I, that, I'm, yeah, that's not quite right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I I don't know. Yeah, classic thing. Obviously, if I give you a tenner and you give me a different tenner, I really don't I really don't care. But if I give you I give you my car to borrow for the day and you give me a similar car but a bit different, it seems seems a bit weird and it's it's funny because in some in some respects and from some angles i think like a car could be seen as a bit of a commodity Mm -hmm. and it and it could be somewhat fungible like for a business cars might be sort of a bit fungible you know like if if this is just another of the delivery vehicles yes it's a functional item that does a thing that is that other items similar to it can do equally as well yeah like send me a delivery truck i don't i don't care which delivery truck it is but if you borrow my car yeah and give me back your car that's a bit weird yeah um, <laughs> I, I was thinking about that um that question about if you borrowed one would it be odd if you returned a different one and it it reminds me of the sort of it's actually like a classic sort of plot for comedies or sitcoms or something you know it's like somebody's Somebody was house sitting, and the fish died. Yes, and, and you know, I've <laughs> I got another fish, or I got another tortoise, and it looks exactly the same as the other one. So <laughs> I'll just put it in there and see if they notice. Oh, that's interesting. So, so then, if if they don't notice, does that fish then become fungible? And only at the point of them noticing there's a difference, it becomes non-fungible. <laughs> Potentially, I you know I distinctly remember a time playing football in the garden as a kid, uh, early teens, and my my parents had just bought a lovely new little maple tree that they planted, 
And of course, I think it had been planted a day before we knocked off one of the main, the main branches of this delicate, beautiful Japanese maple. And then, um, in true, uh, you know, true kid style, we glued it back on. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm like, well, it kind of looks the same as the old one. <laughs> And it's what it was, but no, uh, that that maple, uh, <laughs> it's, you know what, it lasted a few weeks. It lasted a few weeks before it noticed, and then it wasn't so new anymore, so maybe it got me through. <laughs> and most importantly, you weren't playing football when it fell off. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't know what's happened to this branch. <laughs> so would we describe then a lot of the products that you make and sell, Tommy, as being fungible at point of sale? They're fungible items. Is that right? Sorry, I have to bring it up to make sure I get it the right way around. Yes, so before you buy them, they're probably fungible. Yeah. Like a brush cleaner, the, the, the one at the front is the same as the one at the back and the one behind that, as it were, and the same with like a nail file. But like as soon as you've bought it and then start using it, it's then kind of non-fungible because then it's your one yeah, sort of thing. And um, especially like a, a used nail file. The the ultimate one for me on the fungible non fungible is my kids. If 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 kids get around for a play date and they go around to pick them up, like I kind of want my kid back. Like it's it's not like a an ultimate. Yeah. Like, can't can't oh, find yeah. your one, but these do. These do. I love that the way you put people on there, Jono. It's like the bottom left one, people. Like, but there know, is. I mean, talking about sitcoms earlier, Jono, the classic sitcom plot line. That's another one where the the kind of space headed dad goes along, Granny goes along <laughs> yeah. to pick up the baby from wherever and yeah. brings the wrong one home. But I don't. I don't think that makes the kid non fungible though. <laughs> I think it was Shakespeare was the earliest like sitcom writer or something. He's always you know swapping people and dressing them up. You know, yeah, let's see true, if they yeah. notice. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I think I think actually it was quite interesting to think about when when does something which appears fungible go to be non fungible? Yeah, and I think like you said, it's a lot often about like when it's yours, when you add some experience or stories to it. So I was thinking um, books appear extremely fungible because yep. they're just books <clears throat> but if they, if you've got like your favorite copy of something and you've leafed through it and maybe you you wrote something in the front or you lent it to somebody and they they added a few notes to it and it's it's picked up a bit of color and maybe a, you know a drop of the suntan lotion from that lovely holiday where you read it that time you know it, it's not the same book anymore it's your book and so i don't know you might want to swap it for a cleaner one but you might also go, that's my that's my special copy. Yeah. You know, there's a million copies of the Bible, but there's some really special copies of the Bible, which they would probably be a bit pissed off if you just swapped them out for a new print one. So that's, but some, some people might, some people might not. Yeah. In that sense, then, I ask the question, is is it a kind of sliding scale of, of fungibility of items, depending on what the item is and who the individual that, it belongs to is is it is it open to interpretation or is it a kind of economically defined uh, metric as far as i know it's open to interpretation right okay yeah i, I, I just recently somebody showed me um from a holiday in mallorca there's a a, a museum for rafael nadal yeah. and it's got 
one of the items in the museum is like his tennis rackets and his tennis rackets where he's you know you know won the Australian Open or whatever and of course it's just a tennis racket but it's not it's not just a tennis racket it's the one way he won the Australian Open like if you get somebody's shirt at the end of a football match and they throw it to you it's not just mm. a shirt anymore right it's yeah it's a special shirt yeah and so what what was sort of just a very fungible thing a tennis racket a shirt is now something really special so it's yeah it's curious i feel i feel like they can tra- they can transition depending on what happens yeah that reminds me of a family guy uh plot that i saw <laughs> i saw a couple of days ago doesn't matter but carry on um, <laughs> but it but it was it was about sports memorabilia and being able to fake sports memorabilia and saying oh yeah this is the baseball that hit that home run actually you just had it in your pocket that, you're right. It reminds me there was there was a study that was done when uh, people put some items up for sale on eBay, and they added a story to some of them. Okay. So it's exactly that. Like you sell a baseball, and it's just a baseball, but some of the baseballs you add some like compelling story about why this is a special baseball. Yeah. And of course, people just buy the same baseball, but the ones with the stories on, people paid more for. Just yeah. yeah. I've come across this word in, in two ways. One is through your sketch that we're talking about. The other is through NFTs. So what are they? Non-fungible tokens. Yeah. I've heard them and heard them spoken about quite a lot over the last 12 mm. months or so. They, they became big a year or so ago, I, I guess. So is fungible been around as a word for like, is it like furlough? It's one of those words that's been around for kind of ever, but then just for some reason gets pulled into the current. If I may, I looked this up earlier. <laughs> I looked yes. this up earlier because I was interested to know if this was a, a word that's come about because of NFTs. And, and or if it's like a Latin... Kind of a digital age thing. Tommy, you're bang on. Yeah. So it's been used apparently since 1765 as a noun, but 1818 as an adjective, which is what we're using it as here now, right? From medieval Latin, derived from the Latin verb fungi, or it's probably fungi. It's nothing to do with mushrooms. <laughs> um, Porcini. Yeah, meaning to to perform. Okay. And apparently it's a word that's often showed up in uh, legal and political context. You can tell I'm not reading this at all. Uh, (laughs) So something fungible can be exchanged for something else of the same kind. Going back to um, Roman law, apparently, res fungibilis, replaceable things. Mm. So kind of a legal term. Yes, even if you you were renting a house and broke everything and replaced it with all the same stuff would they be replaceable according to your contract yeah i don't know or were they were they special that guitar on the wall rob do you mind if i give you a different one i don't know mm. depends depends is it slashes or is it <laughs> tommy's <laughs> but again, but again yes. like it's, it's so it's assigning value to something whether that's um a, an emotional value or a monetary value because of a story that goes around it right that's i think i think that's what we're what we're saying yeah i'm not an expert in this but i think it is it is genuinely really interesting because it's a bit baffling when it comes to digital things very often because because yeah. digital things by their very nature are so fungible are so fungible right exactly yeah. so like if i if i create well let's do my sketches right so they're literally like PNG files, portable network graphics. I can download it to my computer. You can download it to your computer. We can all download it to all of our computers and they're all completely fungible. And so the idea with NFTs was to say, can we have a digital asset, digital asset 
where there is only one one of them yeah and somebody owns that one yeah and nobody else can have that one yeah which is a sort of an intriguing thing and so then you had like people getting like you know nfts for like just like random images in some cases something called the board monkey project which is pictures of apes which is crazy um but then there's also like you could get a twitter avatar or whatever which is your yours and yours alone in principle because you own the nft for it but the funny thing is i mean it's it, it you know it doesn't it, like it doesn't stop anybody having the same picture so people say oh, i could issue an nft for this and you'd be the only one who owns the nft for this sketch but of course other people could see the sketch but that's actually true in the physical world too yeah where because there's you know the mona lisa yeah hangs in the louvre and i can buy a picture i could print one out on my wall right now and it would look almost exactly like the actual mona lisa yeah. but of course it wouldn't be the mona lisa and that's fundamentally different you got that yeah <laughs> it's that value yeah and I could follow you, and I was following you brilliantly, and I and I and I'm, and I'm really enjoy this this conversation. But then, when it goes quiet at the end of what you have said, I'm left going, yeah. I mean, just just give me just give me a minute, just give me, just give me a minute. Just processing it. All I want to ask Jono is when are the NFTs coming out for his first ever uh, sketch explanation? Well, and, and so I don't think they will. I mean, so first of all, they have some. They have some major flaws. For example, they're built off the blockchain. And in order to generate the NFTs, we actually have to churn through huge amounts of computing power and energy. And so just to generate these NFTs, we actually use quite a lot of energy. So there's there's not very sustainable reason that I know of from what I've read to be having them. I'm sure people can people can argue differently. In, so environmentally sustainable. Literally environmentally. Like in order to like do this yeah. computing to like issue them, you have to run computers for a long time doing calculations yeah um uh, but i did i I did think there was and this was you know i listened to um the freakonomics podcast which did some excellent episodes on blockchain including nfts and it did have somebody who gave some really good examples where nfts could potentially have a lot of value which i thought was really intriguing they're not just like oh i've got an avatar on my twitter profile and you haven't Mm. um and so uh, the examples they gave, um, which are not necessarily NFTs, but there's something to do with the, the blockchain, which is where you, ha- you have digital ownership records of things which are distributed. And in particular, they were concert tickets and art sales for artists. And as yeah. you think about these two problems, they're quite, they were quite interesting. So I'll do the concert sales first. It was quite interesting. So concert tickets. So if I'm, if I'm U2 and I'm doing a new gig... Obviously, I, I've, there's there's limited amounts of seats at the stadium, but I can't I can't charge you know five thousand pounds a ticket for them because that's you know alienating all my fans who can't buy yeah. those tickets. Yeah. So you charge a reasonable price for them, and of course, what happens is that they get bought up by other people who then sell them on for ridiculous prices. And yeah. of course, the true worth of those tickets, some of them might in fact have been five thousand pounds, let's say. But who got that £5,000 when they were sold? The person who bought the tickets and sold them on. So the artist didn't get any of that extra sale and the fans didn't get to buy cheap tickets anyway. And so the idea with something like potentially an NFT for tickets, you could have a unique ticket that you're selling and it could have something in it like um, which is called a smart contract where you've bought that unique ticket and if it gets sold on, 
there's a something in the smart contract that says a certain proportion of what was sold on has to go yeah. to these parties. Yeah. And so that way the artist could benefit and potentially the person who bought the ticket first or if you want to do it differently. But the artist could actually get some of the benefit of those those ticket sales instead of the ticket out. So it's like it potentially could solve that like broken market. I was talking about this exactly this with somebody last week um in how it relates to television and television programming how and and films it's exactly the same how where piracy is a massive issue so hmm. you know you there, there's an owner of a tv show it's the production company more than more often than not same with films you know it will be the the studios or this distributor whoever it is owns that film but yet they get shown all around the world and there's no means of kind of tracking that so for um, to help prevent piracy and to have a more efficient royalties system so when it is shown and where people are watching it the royalties are distributed back to the same person can be protected by or by the by the blockchain and and with with its relation back to nfts as well yes the same same principle so it could be quite an efficient way of i guess protecting art in its global sense yeah, I, I th- like the the other example, which is like completely obvious the moment you say it, right, is that, uh, and I'll pick Picasso, like he's dead, right? But like you sell a Picasso, he sells it and he sells it for, I don't know, £10,000 when he's alive. Yeah. And then later that gets sold on for £50,000 and then later it gets bought for £10 million. And Picasso got none of those future sales, even though he generated a piece of art that was worth £10 million. Yeah he just got the original thing. And so if you was to sell those with a smart contract involved, then potentially the artist can get that, that value all along the life cycle if they created something of value. And if they didn't create something of value, then it wouldn't get sold on. Yeah, so I think there are some genuinely quite interesting potential applications of these, though I've not, I've not seen them in practice that much. I'm conscious we've, we've moved slightly over to like blockchains and NFTs and stuff rather than fungible, <laughs> non-fungible. That is the nature of this podcast. But I, so I'm going to bring it back to fungible, non-fungible specifically. Is it useful to know the difference between the two? I think socially it's quite important. <laughs> in the sense in the sense that John was talking about earlier, would it be odd if you lent someone something and they gave you something back that wasn't quite the same? Yes, and I think culturally <laughs> yeah. can be differences. Okay, have you got an example? Uh, no, but I, I find it even with different friends have different views on certain things. Yeah, okay. As it were. Yeah. Like I'm quite casual about that sort of stuff, but some people really aren't. If you if you borrow a book from them, they want that exact book back. Otherwise, mm. you know, and they won't necessarily say anything, but you kind of find out later that you've really quite um, upset them, potentially, uh, kind of thing. And, and we all have different grounds, but I suspect that there are very different views uh, um, culturally across the country, across the world. And so it's probably quite important to, to be aware of that. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I suspect, no, it's not really important to know the, the difference between the word, really. It's, it's quite fun talking about it, but fungible. It's, it's got fun in, in the <laughs> <Yes>. words. <laughs> There's an interesting thing with business where biz- a lot of businesses, when they get big enough, want to get to the point where you can treat people as fun- fungible to some degree. Mm-hmm. So... In a, yep. in a McDonald's or whatever, let's say, I want to be able to just bring in somebody if they leave, if they don't work, I want to bring in somebody else. And it doesn't yep. matter. I can swap the people in and out. Um, and so you've, you've, you've honed everything down so people are just like a cog in the machine, an interchangeable cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but in practice, um, and certainly in any small teams, that's not the case. And in... <laughs> 
And nobody likes to be interchangeable in that way, right? Chelsea Football Club have been doing that with their managers last few years. <laughs> it does. <laughs> managers generally. And managers generally. Just the the merry-go-round. Probably the, the best managers are the people who notice the non-fungibility in people. <laughs> yeah. Not, not just in sport, generally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, exactly, and yeah. probably the best, the best people in life, probably as well. <laughs> the best people. Uh, I'm going to do the podcast with two other people next week. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> That'd be fine. <laughs> there, there was yeah. a point. Who was that girl band? Was it Sugar Babes? Who they just that's, started that's girl switching. Band, yeah. Do you remember that? Because oh, there were yeah. like five of them and then there was two and then there was like another one and then there was that and yeah. then they, they kind of just about. sort of switched through. And it was like, oh, that's pretty weird, but it kind of still worked. We might have got that wrong. I'm conscious we might have got the name of that band wrong, but I'll go with, I'll, I'll defer to Tommy's um, superior knowledge on this. Of <laughs> Okay, well, look, so that's fungible, non-fungible. I think, I think that's explained very well there. Um, <laughs> The context of it is great. It's really, really interesting, you know, and, and I think, I think that it's, it's lovely that, that it is an interpretable concept, fungibility, that it can be interpreted on a sliding scale. And the boundary between fungible and non-fungible can be different for different people and when applied to different goods or items. I think that's it. Well done, Jono. Thanks for clearing that up. And we'll be going through your messages from last week in just a few moments. So please do keep sharing your stories or thoughts about the topics we cover each week. And you know, we're slowly growing this Sketchful Nations podcast community, which is awesome. You're listening in from all over the world. It's, it's fantastic to see. So thank you. Please do continue to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, all the rest of it. Let's keep this going. Thank you. Next week's podcast is all about the accountability ladder. You can look it up in advance on sketchmanations.com or just wait for the episode to drop at the usual time and place. Otherwise, we'll leave you and your beautiful, perfectly sculptured, non-fungible ears in peace. Until next week, anyway. Thank you very much for listening. Stay well. Go well. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Hello, we're back again. It's just Jono and I going through the post bag this week. Um, and we're looking back on last week's episode um, on optimism bias. Uh, so through Instagram, Lulu's sent us or left us a little message saying, I'm always happy with my lot. Never try to be something I'm not. I reckon that would be exhausting and a waste of life. Hmm. I did think she was going into rhyming poem then at the start. Um, but that's not where she ended off. Thank you very much for that, Lulu. Um, We've also had a message from Toby saying, I'm not sure my optimism bias is always positive. I've annoyed a lot of mates by being late. So this, <laughs> I reckon this is uh, in direct reference to Tommy uh, and his stories of um, being late at the airport. Yeah.
Um, I mean, funnily enough, I think I think in a few weeks' time we're going to be looking at the the true cost of being late uh, from another one of your sketches, Johnny. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's, you always have that intention, don't you? You're like you want to be there and you want people to be happy about you turning up, and you, you want to think that it's going to be okay. But yeah, the flip side is uh, unrealistic expectations. We've all done it. Come on. <laughs> We've all done it. Uh, yeah, so don't worry about it, Toby. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure your mates are, uh, are used to it by now, and maybe they even factor that in. Uh, who <laughs> it's knows? Toby, it's Toby saying it. Who knows? We're gonna, we're gonna, Toby, we're going to meet at 7.30. Actually, guys, we're going to meet at... Oh, no, I've got that wrong <laughs> way around. Uh, Toby, we're going to meet at 7. Actually, guys, we're going to meet at 7.30. <laughs> but uh, Toby will see us there. Um, I've had a fairly long message here from um, Belinda on Instagram. She said, uh, I listen to your podcast on optimism bias and the psychology behind it is interesting. I agree. But <laughs> she goes on to say that she calls it unrealistic or even delusional thinking. Um, but she agrees with it being heart overhead at the core. Uh, I'm just going to kind of skip on a little bit. But she, a really interesting point in Belinda's note is she says, a person's social class and status would be a factor... Um, within their optimism bias, especially when it comes to risk and any consequences of failure. So I definitely understand that. So maybe people who, if you look at it financially, people who are more affluent perhaps maybe feel like they've more space to take risks um, and to be optimistic when it comes to maybe investments, um, whereas that's possibly not the case if if money is a little bit tighter for you. I, mean, I have to say, Belinda does go on right at the end, um, she qualifies herself as being, in her words, an old cynical pessimist um, and claims that she used to be fun. I'm sure you did, Belinda. I'm sure you did. Um, thanks to those messages. A couple more I'll cover. One was um, from Citizen Dame on Instagram saying Dunning-Kruger has entered the chat. Um, thank you for that. No, I don't, I don't get that. What, Johnny, what, yeah. what's, what's Dunning-Kruger? So Dunning-Kruger effect is not one that I've, I've covered, although I might be covering it soon. Um, Hello. Is essentially, it, it often gets portrayed as if you know a little bit, you're often inclined to think that you know a lot more than you do. And actually, as you're an, as you're an expert, you might think that you're not because you sort of realise how much you don't know. You might not think that you know as much as you do, even when you only know a teeny bit. And so okay. it, there's, a, there's a sort of relationship that goes around the Internet of, uh, as you know a little bit, you go right to the top of Mount Stupid where you might think you're brilliant at this, but actually then you're, you're about to hit the bottom of like, oh, actually, maybe I'm not. So um, I hope that was So that, that Dunning-Kruger is, is like, it's, um, like a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. That sense, that, that sense of it. Also that, um, which is, you know, absolutely a real thing. When you don't, when you're not an expert in a topic, it's very difficult to know how good you are at it because you're not yeah. qualified to assess yeah. how good you are. So that's that's yeah. kind of thing. You know, you might be everybody you ever play at chess and think you're amazing, and then you turn up at a tournament and get absolutely smashed, <laughs> and then that'll you know re reevaluate your expectations. Um, I think yeah. I think there's definitely one there for a future sketch, possibly, Johnny. So okay, so what's being said here by Citizen? Well, Day? I mean, it could be it could be one of two things. It could be in reference to us <laughs> only knowing a bit about things <laughs> and uh, and talking a lot about them. I hope it's not, but um, <laughs> fair enough if it is. Um, or of course, you know, like perhaps it applies to to optimism bias like you're if you know a little bit about something you might think this will be a great success i think that often comes with you know you talk about like if you're doing a startup do you actually have 
there's some benefit if you're naive and you're not an expert in something because you mm. you have that yeah. belief that you're going to succeed and once you know a lot more you might realize all the reasons that you are probably not going to succeed and then therefore not try it at all so, so yeah. hopefully it's reference that which is a very good point um yeah e- e- either way i mean I'll, I'll hold my hand up um you know <laughs> we, all, we all are we all are to some degree yeah and finally, there was um, there's one more we had, isn't there? Yeah, on, t- on Twitter we had Trog saying, uh, "Just keep iterating in a tight feedback loop. What's the worst that could happen?" Um, which is, a, which, yeah, a, I mean, a really good point. Like, he, I think it gets a bit to like take risks where you can and where it, it you are able to fail. So ideally, not jumping across a chasm on a motorbike. <laughs> yes. If you keep that feedback loop small, then uh, it, it'll help. It'll help you evaluate how you're going to do a bit more realistically. All good so then and that and that then feeds into everything we we're talking about in last week's episode where you know yes we are all probably guilty of well a lot of us are guilty of um uh, sometimes being over optimistic but the more evidence that you can get to, to base your decisions on yes you can still be optimistic but hopefully that might be tailored by that feedback loop and, and by the evidence absolutely yeah and if you keep it keep it tight don't go don't go yes. don't go bet the house on things you know on your first bet i think that's, yeah <laughs> That's a very good yeah. point. I like to work like that. Oh, yeah? I like to work like that. It does make my decision making quite slow sometimes. Whereas I know other people, I won't name them, but she knows who she is, who loves to make these big decisions and they go, oh, hang on. Uh, oh, all right, didn't know about these things. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's all part of life's rich that's tapestry. That's we work in teams. Exactly, Tono. Exactly. Enjoy of it. Brilliant. Um, well, that's it. Uh, that's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for all your comments and for your feedback. And thank you again for continuing to grow our family of Sketch Nation podcast listeners. It's brilliant. Um, let's keep it all going. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care. Bye. Cheerio. Music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com. <laughs>